Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Lord, that even John the Baptist, as a baby within his mother's womb, would recognize the coming of his King. Grant that we, too, would worship him with joy and with excitement this day. Break your word small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. When I was in high school, Catholic, Jesuit, high school, each time we would go to begin a football game, before we would ever step foot out onto the field for a home game, we would enter into the chapel and pray. And to this day, anytime I hear the words that Elizabeth speaks, where she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, I want to take a knee. Because the Hail Mary was such a core piece. It was as if we could utter these words and there would be this blessing cast over our game and that God would hear our prayers over and above that of our opponent. Because not only did we bring them, but Mary now brought them on our behalf. But the heart of Christmas beats within the body of Mary as the mother of Christ. Not the heart within her chest, but rather the heart within his. You see, throughout Christmas and Advent, there is this unique tie that the Word of God has to the role of parenthood, and specifically in our today's text, to that of motherhood. And the Gospel of Luke as a whole gives extra attention to women, which would have been unique in an otherwise overly patristic and male-centric world of the time. And it's worth noting here that as we dig into our gospel text from Luke chapter 1, that the words that Luke chooses as he writes this narrative are done, as always, with great intentionality. So that as he says in verse 41 that the baby leaped in her womb. The word that he chooses to use here in the Greek does not distinguish between a baby that still rests within the womb of its mother growing and developing and that of a baby which has already been born and breathes air as you and I. The word remains the same. There is no distinction between whether one is a human life and the other is not. But actually, with great intentionality, Luke speaks and says to both that they have value, that they are created in that image of God that Adam and Eve were given in the garden. 
And that this very first person to recognize the lordship of Jesus is John the Baptist himself before he's ever born. Let that soak in. Because in terms of sanctity of life, that means that a baby, even yet in its mother's womb, still has the capacity to hold faith in Jesus as its Lord and Savior, and that it is not dependent upon knowledge of any man, but rather that of the work of God alone. You see, as Luke continues on in this narrative, the only way that she can speak and discern what is happening within her is that she is filled with the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit speaks these words as she says, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. I will readily admit, it would have been so much easier to choose a different text for today. It would have been so much easier to go with the Old Testament or the New Testament. And the reality is, is that it wouldn't have felt right. You see, there's this odd thing that happens when first-year seminarians would get together and you suddenly become a little puffed up because you have a little bit of knowledge and you think you know everything. And then you have a couple beers and you try to solve all of the world's theological problems and, and so it happens. But about eight or nine months after we had experienced the miscarriage early on in our marriage that we find ourselves in this setting where there is a discussion ensuing over baptism. And the Apostle Paul writes and says, baptism now saves you. And we've spoken of this before here, but the way that it played out was such that if baptism now saves you, then you must be baptized to be saved. And as the blood boiled within me, Before I could even say a word, somebody slides this passage across the table. And when Elizabeth heard this greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, Elizabeth says, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That means that the power of God works within the capacity of this child to know and receive and hear. That the capacity to believe is not dependent upon the work that we do, but rather that which God does in us. The same heart beats within the body of the church. The same faith that Elizabeth praises Mary for lives and breathes within the church. 
And that the presence of Christ dwells here within the flesh and blood of his people. You can imagine for a moment the prayers that must have been lifted on behalf of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Lord, we want a child so bad. Let us have a child. If it's your will, grant us a child. And it almost seems as though they had given up all hope and then we see this scene transpire in the first half of Luke 1. And Elizabeth, who is barren and advanced in age, is found to be with child. You see, God works against the odds. Betrothed, but not yet married to Joseph. Mary shouldn't be pregnant. And yet, as she begins to question Gabriel about God's plan, she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? And Gabriel says, with God, anything is possible. You see, except for a faithful few like Simeon, Israel had begun to give up hope in the coming of their Messiah. They had gone from one exile to another oppressor to another oppressor and were left feeling as though they were on their own. But God works against the odds. But time and again, as we encounter the storms of our life and we ask, if God answers some prayers, then why doesn't he answer mine? If God can answer the prayers of Elizabeth and Zechariah, if he can hear the prayers of Mary, if he can listen, and we take confidence that he hears, then why doesn't he answer? See, as joyful as Christmas can be for some, it can be just as painful for others. In a season that lauds the miraculous conception of the barren and the immaculate and fertile womb of a virgin, the pain of infertility, miscarriage, abortion, stillbirth, and childlessness cannot be overlooked. That even where there is light, there is still darkness that it shines against. I love the way that Elizabeth greets Mary. Before the days of text message and email and social media, she sees Mary for the first time and who knows how long and she doesn't go you're pregnant what are you thinking what have you done you've ruined your life but instead her immediate reaction 
is to respond in the Spirit. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You see, we have this way of wanting to explain away the pain. And it's better to admit an unknown than try and awkwardly explain it away. We are better to leave the unknown answers of some in the hands of God than to offer an answer that would quickly seek to resolve the problem. See, God's at work even in ways that we cannot readily see him. But we cannot avoid the fear or the pain or the sadness or the suffering or the sorrow without also avoiding the word made flesh that dwells as our Savior in its very midst. I would have loved to just glossed over this text. And there are so many times in ministry where a lectionary text comes up and then it just particularly fits and you kind of dread reading it because you know somebody's going to be mad. There's conflict in the church and then you read the passage where David is confronted for his adultery and then he says, I will get that man. Who is this man? And then the prophet says, you are that man. And then the people go, you picked that text just because of me. And then you go, no, 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 no. This is the tradition of the church. It's been done this way long before I got here, long before you got here. It wasn't me. See, God speaks the words that we need to hear, and today, for me, this is a prime example where I would have loved nothing more than to preach a comfortable text. And not one that hearkens hard into our own situation. The lectionary has a way of forcing the words that God needs us to hear, even for the preacher. Being broken makes us feel lonely and isolated as if we're on an island and nobody can help us and nobody knows and nobody understands and nobody can touch us. And that's exactly the way that the devil would have it. And yet in the Gospel of John, it begins by saying that the light shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The whole of Christmas is a celebration of a life that has joy. Now wait for the other shoe to drop. A life that has joy because of a baby born to die so that man might rise with him. See, the answers that God gives, as in so many other cases, are not always just clear-cut, but instead so often they spurn on other questions 
And they stir us to so many more. And that's kind of the point. Because for us to go, why does it matter that Jesus is connected to John the Baptist? Why does it matter if Mary is Elizabeth's cousin? And then you go, now wait a second, this guy named Isaiah, he said that one would come to prepare the way of the Lord. And oh, by the way, he's related to him. And you look in time and time and time again, there are no accidents. There is no coincidence in God's plan. And here, more than ever, the sanctity of life that begins in Eden lasts through all eternity. Our questions are not new or foreign to God. And his answer remains the same today and tomorrow and the day after that. So that God always gets the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.